Thanks, Chris, for that. That's great. That's great. Oh, um, this morning I was uh, reminded uh, just a couple minutes before uh, the, we went back to pray, I was reminded that um, I wore the same shirt last Sunday morning. Uh, I mean, what do you do with that five minutes before service, right? So talking about relationship, I'm not in a very good relational standing with that person right now. We're, we've got some issues, so going on. Talking about relationships, marriage. I remember walking into Walmart a couple years back, and uh, I got towards the back, and there was this couple, uh, elderly couple, that was having one of these knock-down, drag-out fights, you know, right there in the, the, uh, the aisles of Walmart. I mean, they were going at it, full-blown, loud-voiced, I mean, veins bulging on their neck type of argument, right? And I knew right away, they're married. <laughs> no. They had perfected this art of communication for years and years in their marriage, and they knew exactly what to say to tick the other one off. It makes you want to ask sometimes when you you go to a young couple and they uh, come and they announce to you that somebody has proposed, and you say, why? Why would you do that? (laughs) Why would you ruin this perfectly good dating relationship by going out and getting married? Does it feel like that ever? Uh, That you question, you know, does this marriage thing still work? Uh, Is it a good idea to get married? You see, the stats seem to be against us, and they seem to be increasingly against marriage and failed marriages. So is it good? Is it still a good idea? Well, this morning we're going to look at marriage a little bit. I was thinking about uh, a time where uh, I got together with some guys and there was, um, I was the only one single at the time. The other guys had gotten married and, and uh, they asked me if I was dating anyone or was I single still or, you know, was there any prospects? And I said, you know, no, not, not much. And they started like high-fiving me and saying, no, good job, all right, great. I'm thinking, you guys are married, though. (laughs) This doesn't make a lot of sense for marriage. We start thinking this way sometimes. Like, maybe this marriage thing really wasn't the route we should have gone in the first place. There was this uh, uh, well-known author. You might know her. Her name's Elizabeth Gilbert. She's the one that wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And she wrote a book a few years back, said, Committed, a Skeptic Makes Peace with Marriage. Now, what you have to know about her is she had absolutely preached and wrote against marriage. And yet, what would happen? She turns up married. (laughs) And she says in this book, it's interesting, she says in one interview, she feels like she's being, by getting married, she's part of this covert underground movement. (laughs) By getting married? (laughs) I had no idea what this lady was talking about, but it seems to be this perception of marriage is something different than maybe what we've seen in God's word or something different than maybe what we thought our parents or grandparents experience. And so this morning, we're just going to take a look at it. You see, Jesus, one time, he's asked by some skeptics about marriage. And here's what they're really doing, these skeptics, is they're looking for a bit of a loophole, or they're looking for him to expand this criteria of who was allowed to get divorced. And this is how Jesus responds to them. He says, at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. You see, God's reminding, he's reminding his listeners here something they would have already had a concept of from Old Testament writings here. 
And he's reminding him that when this marriage thing comes up, when this male and female leave their parents and come together, that there's just, just almost this drive and this, this thing that draws them to one another. And then when he says the two c- will become one, it's interesting here because there's another time when the Old Testament talks about this word one. You know what it is? It's this word one that describes God. That God is one. And so this union, male and female, husband and wife, is actually described the same way that God is described. I mean, that's a powerful metaphor when you sit and think about it. You're sitting next to your spouse today, and you turn and you look at her right now, and think about it. The metaphor that God uses, that Jesus is is reiterating here, is this metaphor of who God is. That's your union. Does it sound like it's pretty serious to God, this issue of marriage? absolutely it's it's central and important so what we're going to do is we're going to look at these five key connections these principles in our marriage that I, and I believe will help us now this morning you might be you might say hey Tom I'm not married we're just dating that's okay because you're actually at a real good place you probably need to hear these at this place because you can kind of halt the ship if you need to right you can just make a mid-course correction before you go and stand in front of the minister and that's the better time to do it maybe this morning you're saying you know I'm not married I'm not even dating I'm not even interested in dating anyone right now that's okay these principles very well could come into your future down the road or maybe the Lord provides you know a neighbor a co-worker who needs to hear a little bit of this or maybe it's just that you can kind of translate these a bit in just to a friendship relationship and how this can be helpful for you so you do that however you need but uh, you'll hear me probably talk a little bit more from a relational standpoint this morning as I'm working working through these. So we're going to jump into these right now. Here's the first one. It's a spiritual connection. Have you ever thought about that? That in a relationship, especially in a marriage, you need to have a spiritual connection. There's this verse in the Bible in 2 Corinthians six fourteen that says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, some of you might remember that with your youth group age, because your youth pastor would just beat that into your head, letting you know, don't go out there and date a non-Christian, is what your youth pastor was really trying to tell you the whole time. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Well, what does this mean? It means don't join into a long-term, binding, growing relationship where there's going to be fundamental, different spiritual values that you hold. It could be a bit of a problem in the end. And I know what you're thinking. For some of you, you're thinking, well, Tom, that really shrinks the playing field for me. I and mean, that, that just kind of shrinks the pool entirely. And you know what God would say? Yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> and that's for a reason, for your benefit. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. Why would God place such this high value on spiritual connectedness. Now, I was thinking about it this, this week, these two things coming together which may not match up. And uh, when I go on road trips, anybody like to go on road trips? You get in the car and you drive? Yeah, a few of you. Like two. Okay, good. We'll get together afterwards. We'll drive somewhere. I like uh, certain foods. That's what I get. In fact, there are some foods I never eat unless I'm in the car, like uh, beef jerky. I brought some beef jerky this morning. Um, this is a travel travel food for me. So when I get in the car, I, I usually grab a little bit of beef jerky. I like the peppered kind. I, I just eat on the beef jerky. You don't think it's rude if I eat on a little bit of it right now, will you? Well, because that's a travel food. But for me, also a travel food is uh, sunflower seeds. 
do you enjoy? Now, you got to have your cup there, but uh, if you're wanting to pass the time ever, you can just get a thing of sunflower seeds, and you, you, know, so you suck on them, you crunch them open, you eat the nut, you spit it out. I mean, that's a pretty good time for us guys. So, so I also enjoy a little bit of sunflower seed as well. Um, as well. Now, the problem... Oh, the problem is, <laughs> these aren't very good to eat together. <laughs> um, in fact, um, I think I just stabbed myself with that sunflower seed right there. It's kind of like um, chewing little blades and kind of a beefy taffy. <laughs> oh, you won't mind if I did. Well, how do I solve that? Well, I spit it out. Um, or I just choose one or the other, right? And I'll take the beef jerky, I'll take the sunflower seed, and solved right there. It's not always easy in our relationship, is it? When we're met with the same kind of conflict, when these two things that don't match come together. You see, in our Christian walk, when we become a believer in Jesus Christ, this this force of God in our life, it overtakes who we are. It transforms us from what we used to be. It changes the way we think about what we watch and what we say. It changes the way we think about how we spend our money and what we do with our time. It changes what we thought was funny before versus what's funny now. It changes all kinds of things in our life. And so you can imagine if the Lord has transformed us and changed us into this new person by the power of what his spirit does in our life, that when we match it up with something that hasn't been transformed, hasn't been changed, we're going to have a problem. We're going to have an issue when that happens. And so you can see why God says, don't be yoked together with an unbeliever. Don't be yoked to somebody that doesn't have the same spiritual connection as you, the same person that's plugged into God. Now, don't hear me wrong. This does not mean don't go out and have friendships with, with non-Christians. Very important. I mean, that we... That we constantly develop relationships with people that need to know Jesus Christ. We talk about that quite regularly. But this is your soulmate, right? This is the person that you bring on on the most intimate level of your life to share with and to talk with. And what happens when what God is doing in your life and what he's, what he's teaching you and what he's transforming you into, you don't have that avenue to share with even your partner. Now, I know some of you are like, man, Tom, you're bringing the rough news this morning. Or some of you are like, you know, Tom, it's too late. I'm in a relationship already. I'm married, and this person doesn't know the Lord. Can I tell you this morning, if that's you this morning, I've got good news for you. You get to be the most incredible witness they'll ever have. The closest person in their life, the person that they let spend the most time with them, the person that they let speak into them and they get to watch interact the most is you. You get to be the most incredible witness of anyone in that person's life. So just go live it out. Go live it out. You don't have to push on them. You don't have to nag on them. You, know, you don't have to make them feel bad for not even going to church if you're sitting here this morning. But live it out. Live out your faith and be a witness to them this morning. So a spiritual connection, so important. If you're dating this, this morning, you're not married yet, strongly advise you, evaluate the spiritual connection right now before you get married. Secondly, is this character 
connection. I was reminded of a story that a pastor uh, shared once. And this pastor, when he was sharing, he was talking to a young lady who had just begun a relationship with a guy in the church. And she came up and she started talking about how wonderful this guy was. And just, I mean, he was Mr. Right and he was amazing and just on and on and on. I mean, clearly, deeply infatuated with this guy. You know, kind of like Sheree talks about me now. So, yeah, um, you got it. So she's talking, and this, guy, this pastor, you know, uh, he was actually a little embarrassed at how much she's praising this guy, and, he, and finally he said, well, is there, is there anything you, you don't like about him? Just half-jokingly asking her, and she said, well, um, he lies quite a bit. <laughs> she followed that, well, do you think that will be a problem? <laughs> Well, what kind of lies are we talking about? Big lies, little lies, well, all kinds of lies. Will that be a problem? Yeah, that's going to be a big issue. (laughs) That's going to be a problem. Why? Character is a big issue in our marriage. Character. You know, when you're starting, when you're dating somebody or you're married to somebody, guess what? You see it all, don't you? You see it all. In fact, in my family, when my mom and dad visit and we interact, guess what? I'm still that 14-year-old or 16-year-old kid that almost ran the car through the garage door. Now, that's still me. That's still how they see me, even though I'm 41 years old, and I've not, in a couple years, run a car through a garage door. So that's how they see. We're reminded. When we're dating and we're married, we see that person so intimately. You're going to see things. You can't hide character in marriage, and it becomes an issue. And so looking at character is still important. I'm sorry. I'm still pulling sunflower seeds out. Take a look at a couple of these verses. From Proverbs 11.5, this is the message translation. It says this, moral ca- character makes for smooth traveling. I love how that says that. Moral character. Character is important. It makes a relationship go much more smoothly. Now right now, probably if I made you stand and tell me the character flaw in your spouse you would probably know it. If I made you stand and tell me the the character flaw in yourself, well, your spouse would probably know it (laughs) right away. We tend to find the thing in our spouse quicker than what we find in ourself. Character is so incredibly important here, so important. And so we evaluate our character. Well, what happens if you're in a dating relationship and there's a character issue? Well, there's uh, there's this debate out there. There's a debate that character can't change on one side and character can absolutely change on the other side. You see, over here, the proponents of this would basically say, you know, you're wired a certain way and you're always going to be wired that way and that wiring is somehow connected to your character. In some way, they're actually saying a liar is a liar will be a liar. We just don't believe that in the faith. We believe that when Jesus Christ comes into our life, when we surrender our life, he sends us Holy Spirit to live in our life and that we get to live every day in his presence. He's not far away where we have to pick up the phone and go call. We don't have to go into a confessional booth. We live with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we would tell these people, you have no knowledge of the Holy Spirit Because we believe over here character changes, that God changes people, that he takes a liar and he makes that person honest. And so this morning, if you're in a relationship and there's a character issue in yourself, guess what? God can do something with that. It's time to start surrendering that to him and working. If you're in a relationship and you know your spouse has a character issue and they don't know the Lord, then it's time to be on your knees daily praying 
that God would intervene and work into their life and they'd be impacted in that way. Number three, we want to look at emotional health connection. Well, that's quite a word there. I'm sounding very academic this morning. Emotional health connection. You see, when you're out and you're courting somebody or you're with your spouse and you're out at dinner and the candles are flickering and you're looking through the glow at that person across from you, you know, and she's like this, you know, and you're looking strong like that or however it goes, I don't know. But when you're in that setting and you're looking apart and the person is glowing with love, you have to remember that person came from a fallible family. That person came from a rough background, imperfect parents, probably some, a few depraved siblings, right? And probably some certifiably crazy um, uh, family members somewhere. You know, we all have them, right? Oh, and uh, some of you just came back from family reunion. So um, you, you've got your stories to tell. Yeah, I, um, we all have them. This nearly perfect person in the candle glow is really not that at all. They're this, they're this connection of things that have happened from a far, perfect, far from perfect school system, a far from perfect church, this one included, and really a, a, a far from perfect neighborhood or our family connection as well. That is this person. Sometimes people even have some deep, deep hurt that's happened, even from a trusted family member or a close friend of the family. And so they carry this with them, this emotional or health baggage that can be hurt. There's this long, complicated story that has to be unpacked thoroughly, and it has to be processed. Now, hear me right this morning, because the last thing I'd want you to hear this morning is that if the person has some hurt in their past, run from them and steer clear of any relationship ever, because chances are you'll never find a relationship if you do that in every situation. But understanding that that's part of who we all are, And for some people, they've had to deal with something deeper and deeper than maybe you have ever experienced. And to know that, to begin to process that, begin to know how to deal with each other on that. We live in a day where there's a lot of remarriages, right? Second, even third marriages. And so that brings kids into the story. It brings step-parents into the story. And so you have situations where step-parent one does this, parent two does this, and there's always an issue on the table. And you know what it can do? It can, it can make a relationship very painful. It can make it painful on the kids as well. These things are all things we want to be aware of and start working through even before we get into those relationships. Here's how the Bible encourages us. The Bible says, The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal, has called you to his eternal glory in Christ with himself, restore, confirm, or strengthen, and establish you. You know, what the Bible is saying here is God is not about just getting you into the church, getting you saved, and then letting you find your way. He wants to restore us, build us back up, and strengthen us. I would guess in a room this big with about 170, 180 people that there is probably people that are dealing with very, very deep emotional hurts right now, very painful situations. In fact, for you, it might be the first thing every morning when you wake up, you think about it. You think about how you were hurt, how you're going to process. In fact, some of you might be so hurt by it still that you wonder even if you will make it through this entire day with the pain that you face. Can I just encourage you this morning that if God's word would not be accurate, that he wants to restore you, to redeem you, to build you up, to take away, to heal that hurt, then you can take your Bible and you can just throw it away. 
it's no good because the Bible talks about this restorative power that Jesus Christ offers and that we have daily in our life. Now, sometimes for people, it happens instantaneous, just like that. They're healed. We don't always like to hear those testimonies when we're dealing with our own stuff for long periods of time, but God sometimes works that way. For others of us, he wants us to just constantly coming, excuse me, our constant going to him begins to heal us and restore us. This week, I got to have lunch with a guy who's working on uh, some stuff in his own life, and I walked away. I just had a great time having lunch with him, but you know, he's walking through, you know, about a 10, 12-month type of setup working through his restoration plan, and you know what? That's just about the time it takes for him and his situation, and sometimes that's how God works as well, but here's the clincher as we read his word. He does bring healing. He brings it to our lives. If we'd stay plugged in with him, then he brings it. If you're in a situation now where you have a spouse or somebody you're dating and they're dealing with this, my encouragement is if you get connected with counseling, if you get connected with somebody, make sure that counselor is plugged into the word of God because all the counseling help and all of the book help without God's power really just doesn't get the job done in the end. So there's this emotional health connection as well that we all face in relationships, and we have to be aware of that with our partner, and it has to be something we're communicating about as well. Speaking of communication, that's a fourth one, this communication connection. You ever messed up communication with your spouse? Oh, yeah, good, good. Some of you are poking each other right now. Must have happened this morning. Take a look at this video. Maybe you're familiar with it, but uh, kind of a funny illustration of communication. Uh, 
There we go. We won't watch it again. Well, true. So uh, communication is a little bit different between men and women, right? A little bit different between husband and spouse. So it's fun to laugh about as we uh, analyze and we look at that type of thing. But the truth is, this will be the absolute dagger in our marriage. In fact, this is probably the one that will show up the quickest in our marriage or in our relationship if there's a poor communication effort. Henry Cloud, who's a well-known Christian psychologist, he says this, anytime I'm counseling a married couple and they use the phrase, we just feel like we never learn to communicate with each other, it's often the D word follows. He goes on to say this, the extent at which a couple can engage with each other in a truthful, soulful, gracious conversation is perhaps the single greatest determiner in sustainability in a relationship. Communication is just that important, that we know how to talk to each other and communicate. Now, we're not necessarily talking this morning about saying, I'll pick up the dry cleaning and you, know, you forget to tell or you forget to hear or whatever the case may be. We're talking about being able to share who we are, how we're feeling, how something else affects us, that type of deep communication is so important. Now, you may know this already, but when we communicate, we learn something, right? When we listen, we learn from somebody else. When we talk, they learn from us. When I moved uh, here to North Carolina, I went to get my North Carolina driver's license. And I went in there thinking, it's a driver's license test. I mean, I'm like 38 years old. And so I just went in and tried to take it. Well, guess what? I failed that sucker. Uh, I went out in the walk of shame out of the DMV with these 16-year-olds who were flashing their licenses, and um, you know, I felt like just a big goober walking out, having failed this test. I wanted to go right back in, but they made me wait three days before I was allowed to take that test again. Three days I had to think about this. So I got the manual on my way out. I didn't even bother to look at it the first time, but I read that thing, and I was determined I was going to ace that test, and then I was going to shove it right in the face of any 16-year-old flashing their license. Um, I didn't think that. So I went in and I took the test and I passed that test. Now I read that manual inside and out several times. I put it right next to the toilet at my house and I read that thing many times, okay? And I walked out of that thing knowing that and I aced that test. Here's the point. Because I read that thing, I knew things about driving that I never would have known. Never would have known anyway. I've got the rules of school bus, whether you stop or stop, not stop. I've got it down, if you want to know. Sometimes that's my favorite thing, to yell out of the car, you don't have to stop! You know, just because I read the manual. Communication is just like that. When we spend the time really sitting and hearing from our spouse... When we spend the time sitting and sharing how we're feeling about something, there's just this depth that goes on. And I learned something about my spouse that I didn't otherwise know. You know, maybe according couples um, and married couples, maybe we should be made to take some like communication refresher course ever so often. You know, like teachers have to take some type of refresher course. Doctors have to take refresher courses Maybe we need to in our marriage because often I think we forget what God's word has to tell us about how to communicate. Check out a couple of these verses. Proverbs 15.1, it says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Anybody guilty of not following that verse this week? You know the result when it, when it comes about, how often we experience this in our relationships, when we forget what God's word says about this, that a gentle answer turns away this wrath, but 
a quick, haughty answer, man, we're going to get in trouble. Take a look at this next one. Proverbs 18, 13 says, To answer before listening is folly and shame. I love how another translation of God's word says this. It says, is stupid, is what it basically says at the end. To answer before listening. That means as the question is being answered, we are being given, we, we just launch in to what we feel. You know, sometimes when I'm talking to Cherie, she will let me know, may I finish? <laughs> so... Sometimes it's not that quite that polite, but uh, I deserve it. Oh, and basically, she's saying is, I have something to share with you. I have something to say I, I, or something to ask, and I would like to communicate that fully before you tell me how you're going to fix the situation. <laughs> oh. To answer before listening is stupid, is what it says. Take a look at this other one. Ephesians four twenty six. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, in most literal terms, we, we think of this actually every night, 24-hour cycle in the sun. What the, what the writer Paul is getting at here is don't let anger go on unresolved. Don't let it continue in your life unresolved. That may mean the next time you see that person, hey, get it, to, get it cleared up or talk to that person. The thing about a marriage relationship is you always see that person, right? There's, they're always there. And to continue on with an issue is a trouble, you ever had this type of situation in, in your marriage or relationship where something happens, a problem comes up, a tiff arises, you have a little argument, and just immediately, you didn't even need to be taught it, it seems like immediately it wells up inside of you, well, I'm not going to be the first one to say I'm sorry. <laughs> they, they can come to me first. That's the kind of stalemate thing that often causes sun to go down on our anger night after night after night. It's this pride type of thing that, that builds up. The Bible just says, look, that's a bad, bad plan. In fact, many people are divorced every day because of that type of plan that they follow. They decide to hold on to it and hold on to it and hold on to it. And before you know, the marriage is done. It's over with entirely to communicate, to listen. Men, can I talk to you for just a second? Because men, we are really the guilty parties often when it comes to this issue of, issue of communication. Not totally, but often it's us. Not being willing to share fully what we're feeling or getting home maybe from work and feeling like we don't have the, have, really have the energy to hear all about it. I'll confess this week, uh, coming home, James had a cross-country meet and I felt like I only had the energy to hear about four minutes worth of the cross-country meet and then I wanted to go on. And I had to really like give myself a pep talk before I had the communication with him to say, you're going to hear it, you're going to hear it all, and you're going to ask at least three good questions about it. And so by the time we got to the point to have the conversation, I was feeling totally different about how I felt prior to that. I was, I was energized, engaged, and we had a good conversation about it. But that's how we feel sometimes, men. Let me tell you the danger zone, men. Your wife loves you dearly. And she will go month after month after month, year after year after year, putting up with that because she loves you. And one day she'll turn to you and say, this isn't working for me anymore. And for you, it'll come totally out of the blue because she's been holding on to it, loving you, and somehow it's been festering. And you're going to go, what? What happened here? And the root of a lot of it is going to be a, a disconnect and lack of communication. So men, now... Communicate with your spouse. Talk to your spouse. Treat her like your best friend that you want to engage with, that you want to spend time with. 
One of the things I, I like to tell people all the time is as much as I love going to baseball games, Cherie is still my favorite person to go watch a baseball game with. Now, she's not the most knowledgeable um, in it. There's often many corrections about what's going on in the game, throughout the game. But that doesn't change the fact that sitting by her and speaking to her during a game isn't still my favorite person to go and spend a time at a game with. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. Communicate. Communication is so important. Finally, this number five is a physical connection. A physical connection. Did you know that in marriage that you're allowed a physical connection? Did you know that? Some of you are a little panicked look on your face right now. You see, a lot of times in the church world, we over-spiritualize everything about relationships and we forget that God himself is the author and the designer of the physical component of a relationship. He's made it. In fact, he's called us to it. He said, basically, after you get married, have at it. Go ahead. That's what he says. And in fact, he's, he's created this enjoyment of the physical side of things and he's put it within this context that it will be perfect for us. He's really said this in his word. If, if we would just put the physical component within the right context, you will experience an amazing connection the rest of your life. In fact, there was a study in Chicago that was done, and they were looking for couples that had divorced, right? Stay with me here. Couples that had divorced, who had, had, no, had not had sex before they got married. So husband, wife, both virgins got married, right? And then they were looking for ones that had divorced after that. And so the, in this survey that, that went out all over the, the area of Chicago, they found people from all of the, the different uh, categories that they were researching, except for this one. Not one person answered the call to come in. Statistically, they would just end up saying, it doesn't exist, <laughs> That if somebody holds the physical to the right context, that divorce doesn't come. Now, we know there's probably somebody out there that has. But the point is, they couldn't find it as they're doing this, this study and this research. Check this out, this story in the Bible. You may know it. The Bible mentions this guy named Jacob who meets a young woman named Rachel. He finds so unbelievably attractive, right, that he wants to go and to marry her right away. But he has to wait, and he has to work for seven years before he's given her hand in marriage. Now, think culturally at the time. During that seven years, they're not going out on Friday night to the drive-in theaters and hanging out and really getting to know each other. In fact, their connection with each other would pretty much have been none. This would have been him seeing her, and he was so attracted to her that he was willing to work seven years for her hand in marriage. So when the seven years is up, here's what the Bible says, Genesis 29, 20. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Isn't that just sappy, guys? <laughs> they only seemed like a few days. I mean, did this guy not have the hots for her or what? And this guy was excited about this girl that he had seen. So what's the problem? None. A physical component within marriage, within this proper context, is designed by God to be perfect. It's divine by God to be something we can enjoy and that we, we, can, we can really participate in the rest of our lives. This week I was wondering um, what type of maybe takeaway point or, or, or uh, what type of homework I could give you in this point, but I thought, you know, 
I'll just let you figure that married couples out on your own. But uh, you'll very rarely probably have a pastor that tells you, go practice the physical component of your marriage this week. Uh But that's what the Bible tells us. It's so important. This physical connection is very significant to our relationship. So spiritual connection, character connection, emotional health, communication connection, physical connection. Let me say one more thing, final thing to married couples. You see, marriages break up for Christian couples just the same seemingly statistically as they do for non-Christian couples. Can I tell you this morning, Christian couples, married Christian couples, they really often break up for one reason, is because we really have not surrendered ourselves before God as individuals, as a couple, that we really haven't looked at his word and owned that his word is better life. It will bring greater health to our marriage. We seem to just continue to buy in, even as believers, to the way relationships happen on television or through a friend that we talk to. But God's word has something so much deeper and richer to give to our lives. So this morning, all of these points, these five points are going to be significant to put into your marriage and to work through. But at its core, at your core, is a recommitment to your, to your heavenly Father. It's a recommitment to the Lord. If this morning you don't know the Lord as your Savior and you're experiencing some issues in your marriage, this morning my, my plea to you was it's time to surrender your life. It's time to give your life to Jesus Christ. It's time to say, Lord, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I'm going to start living for you and studying your word and learning what you have for me. If you're a couple this morning and this is the most spiritual hour of your week right here with us together, then I, I plead with you, go away and start making this just one of the spiritual hours of your week. Start getting into the word on your own at home. Start spending time asking, hey, what did you think about what Tom said this morning? What did you think about that third song we sang? How'd you like that? Start putting that into your life, regular communication, regular talk. Open up God's word together and read it. Start thinking about what, what movies or what storylines do you let come into your life that it's time to block those off because they're no good for us. But start turning our eyes towards God in our relationship. This morning, I believe strongly that God has said he wants relationships to thrive. So if you're in marriage this morning and you're enduring and you're just hanging on, know that God has so much more for you in your relationship. If you're in a dating relationship this morning and any of those are check marks of the five that we talked about, well, not number five yet, okay? There's a boundary in God's word. Um, But if there's a checkpoint in some of those connections, then let those ring loud and clear before you step into a lasting connection of marriage. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, this morning I want to lift up married couples. Lord, I want to ask this morning if there be any couple, even one this morning, that's just on the verge of struggle and just on the verge of saying, you know, is it even worth it? Does it even matter? I want to pray this morning, Lord, that you would just grab hold of them in such a way that you could convince them there is so much more that you have to offer. And if they're both willing to lock in and to hunker down and to start walking with you, you will bring that life. And you'll bring that joy, and they'll, you'll make their relationship thrive. I pray this morning for couples that have gone through it, and they've come out the other side. Lord, would you use their testimony? Even this morning, would you use their story to speak into someone else 
that somebody else could be convinced that indeed it works when we plug into you. And Father, I want to pray for one that might be dating this morning. There is deep, deep love and infatuation with the person. Maybe they're sitting next to him. But Lord, maybe as we've walked through this morning, it's clear this is not the greatest connection. And the hardest thing, Lord, is to say, I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose what God would have for me in my future, and I'm going to walk away from this. Lord, would you strengthen that person to do that if that's what they need to? Lord, maybe there's something that they need to build into their dating relationship that if they start with you, you'll bring that and you'll show that to them and you'll strengthen and build. We pray that that could happen. And then, Lord, we want to pray just for any relationship in here, any relationship that's hurting, parent to kid or, or friend to friend, coworker to coworker, whatever it may be, Lord. We want to ask that you just bring healing to relationships that we would surrender before you and that we'd recognize, as we talked about last week, that that really good relationship connection always begins with me first and what you do in me. And so, Father, would you set each of us on the course of growing in you. We pray this all in your son's name. Amen. Well, there we go. Sometimes I think the praise team just does that to me. <laughs>